at one point in the conversation said, man, it's like I'm just sitting at a stoplight and the light won't change. And I, I said, I do remember saying, man, I'm so sorry to hear that, but I'm going to have to call you back because that's a hell of a song idea. And I went and, start, went and started writing that chorus immediately after. This is A New Angle, and I'm your host, Justin Angle, marketing professor at the University of Montana. This podcast is my chance to speak with cool people doing awesome things in and around the great state of Montana. We are proudly underwritten by First Security Bank and Blackfoot. Hey folks, welcome back and thanks for tuning in. You know, two weeks ago we talked science, last week we talked art, and today we're talking music. We got some range here at the pod. John Pierce grew up in Billings, spent some time here at the University of Montana, and is now crushing it as a songwriter in Nashville. In the last several years, John has written hit songs for the likes of Zach Brown, John Party, and Reba McIntyre. He recently visited the University of Montana to perform at the inaugural Grizzly Songwriters Showcase, produced by our entertainment management students. It was a super event, and we were lucky to grab a bit of John's time the morning after. In this conversation, we learn all about the business and process of songwriting and some great wisdom that can generalize to other creative pursuits. Oh, and John brought along his guitar to the studio, so we expand our audio range a bit in this episode. I'm stoked for you to hear this one right now. Okay, so we're here today with John Pierce. John, thanks for coming on the podcast. Good morning. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, We're going to break some new ground on this episode. Uh, You were the twin brother of one of my closest friends here in Missoula. We went for a run this morning. So this is kind of a, you were getting the full meal deal, and we might actually talk you into playing some music by the end of this thing. I think we can make that happen. Very well. I'm staring at the guitar, and so I think it's it's probably <laughs> likely we'll be able to to talk you into that. Uh, so, John, you're here uh, for the Grizzly Songwriters uh, Showcase, which was a couple nights ago. This this episode will air a few weeks later. Yeah. But um, yeah, what made you say yes to this invitation? It was kind of a no brainer. Get yeah. to come back to uh, Montana from Nashville, and. Uh, and uh, retrace some steps back here, and and help out a program that's doing some cool things. So yeah, so no gr- brainer. You grew up in Billings. I did. And born spent in some Bozeman. time here in Missoula. Or yeah. yeah, yeah. Born in Bozeman, lived in Missoula for a little while, then majoritively raised in Billings. Okay. Uh, and then went to school here. Was enrolled here. Yeah, yeah. So that's years. sort of a bit of a fraught <laughs> question. You know, I'm not going to ask you what year you graduated. <laughs> right. Because um, there's no answer to that. <laughs> correct. Y- yet our alumni association off, they have some rule. Like if you if you complete two semesters, you know, they count you as an alumnus. Is that right? I well, have no idea. Yeah, because I think they, they like want to cultivate a relationship with folks like Jeff Amen, yeah, stuff make, like that. Makes right? sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Claim them <laughs> as Grizzlies. <laughs> Which we're, we're happy to claim you yeah. as a grizzly. And I went to the songwriter event the other night. It was fantastic. You shared the stage with some incredible writers and musicians, performers. It, was, it must have been a fun event to it, do. It was really cool, really cool. And I had only met Costas before, so to kind of build relationships with the others was really cool. But it was a cool event. Yeah. Yeah. So Costas, he, does he live here in Montana? And, he does. And, he lives in Belgrade. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought he mentioned that. Yeah. And he was he was sort of the reason, which I'm sure we'll get into, but the the reason for a lot of things that have happened in my life. Okay. So, yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah. that's that's got to be really interesting. Yeah, it's a pretty crazy story. Okay, we'll get into that. So, you know, I'm a I'm a faculty member in the College of Business. The, the idea of a music career, as far as writing and performing, has never been anywhere near my radar screen. Yeah. Like, how does it? 
How does it happen? When did it occur to you that this was something you wanted to pursue as as, as your life's work? Yeah, I, more than more than something. It's almost like I lucked into it. Honestly, okay. I, I didn't know um, making a living as a songwriter existed uh, until uh, my mid twenties. Okay, I knew it was a thing. I, I just always assumed artists wrote their own stuff. And, yeah, and, and what did you study here? I studied a, a vocal performance and then a business minor. Okay. So I, I, I guess I went to school. I went to college because I knew, I knew I wanted to further my studies, and I was really intrigued by music my entire life. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, that, there's a music program up there. I'll go uh, see how that goes. Yeah. But 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 through that, the, the education really came from playing. Uh, open mics around Missoula, okay, and sort of finding out, oh, you know, people will what people will listen to, watch a crowd react to what you're doing, and so I did. I did play around Missoula at there was a place called Maxwell's, sure, back in the day, yep. an Iron Horse, yep. Uh, but that was the where the real education began, where you can where you could see some pathways to monetize music. Yeah, just kind of workshopping materials, seeing yeah. you know, what what will fill yeah. a room, keep a room engaged, bring yeah. people back, play some Hootie and the Blowfish covers back in the day. You know, <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's probably <laughs> the right the right time. <laughs> and so, you, you kind of finished your time here at the university, and you spent some years as a fishing guide. Is that I did? Yeah. There was there was some of that. Uh, I've watched this guy catch. The same fish on five consecutive casts. <laughs> so John knows a thing or two about fly fishing. Um, there was at the end of uh, my experience here at the university. There was a program called the Vienna Experience, where okay. we went on exchange for a semester uh, and sang over there as a choir. Wow! And then I had a buddy that played mandolin. And we would go busk on the streets. We figured out how in you, Vienna. In Vienna, you had you figured out how to get a, uh, I think it was called a Plotz card, which was sort of a, here's your spot, here's your time, like and a we, license to do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And we went down, and you know, there's uh, mimes and violin players, but you're spread out a couple of blocks, and and we played we played cover music, and uh, made money. Wow. And that was the that was one of the real like. Yeah, we made a couple hundred bucks one night and, you know, spent it all on wine. Sure. But, but uh, that was a realization where, oh, this could this could happen. Yeah. You can do something with this. Okay. Yeah. And so what did you do next? Like what? Came back and came back and sort of uh, fell back into uh, old ways of just uh, back, came back to Missoula, actually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then... then needed work and started yeah. kind of falling into the fly fishing thing. Not as many people were doing it back in those days. Uh, and then ended up back in Billings and, and uh, worked at a fly shop and uh, was guiding mm-hmm. on the side, doing some of that. And still working your music, trying to yeah. trying to do performance still. Yeah, though, right? to, to be honest, I had almost – I always say like like it's like your, your mom tells you you're good at in at music, and that's yeah. one thing. But until you kind of test it around, uh, you don't know. So I, I don't think I was getting the feedback that it was going to be uh, 
an occupation at that point. So I was kind of taking any job I could get, doing anything work-wise that I could get, which leads us to a move to Bozeman, Yep, where I was still uh, working any job I could get and also trying to guide as much as I could. Mm-hmm. And I met a guy named Costas, who's who's a now uh, inducted into the Songwriting Hall of Fame in Nashville, but at the time uh, was just met him through a mutual friend and ended up uh, on his patio with him playing songs with a guitar. And I ended up playing a song or two at this with 30 people on his patio. And he kind of said, what are you doing here in huh. Bozeman? Yeah. What are you doing? And and offered to help me. Okay, so he saw some talent. He did. Like, he you, saw you something. Just, yeah. Yeah. Saw something he liked and then uh, said, next time I'm down in Nashville, why don't you figure out wow. how to get down here? And I'll introduce you to, to some people. Yep. So that uh, – and in the meantime, we had gotten together and he had kind of uh, helped me with some of the – rules of songwriting and we had, we wrote a couple of songs together. Okay. So can you talk about those rules? Absolutely. Like, what, what do you mean by that? Absolutely. Um I mean it go that's that's we could fill 3 hours with that but we can try. <laughs> we go Joe Rogan style here. Exactly. Exactly. But he uh there there are some for commercial country music there are some rules. Radio loves tempo. Mhm. They love positive lyric. If yep. you can get it, which is all the opposite of what a real songwriter wants to do, right? Yeah, exactly. The sad murder ballad is what you really want to write. Um, three minutes is generally the time okay. that a radio – if you if you write a seven-minute song, it's not going to get played yeah, on, the radio. on the radio. No, because it's about turnover and ad space and mm-hmm. all sorts of – but then also on the artistic side, it's to write, write – instead of making words that are cool and putting them together, find the emotion first – and then try to feed that emotion with the lyric, whatever the emotion is. That seems like a really challenging <clears throat> thing to optimize. It is. Like you've got these sort of structural constraints, and then, yeah. but it has to really get to the emotion in the same time. Absolutely. Same yeah, and it's, t- it's tough to do. And, I mean, I guess it's like a haiku, right? Like yeah, exactly. Like constraints, and you've got to get something real <laughs> exactly. in there, but on a, on a different scale. Yeah, and there, there really are no constraints, but, but if you want to make it as a commercial writer, there are. If yeah, that makes I mean, sense. Yeah, yeah, there's got to be a little bit of like plug and not plug and play, but yeah. but like you said, like it's got to fit a certain slot on the radio and be able to work around advertising and all those other kind of structures of how music is delivered to yeah. ears. Yeah. The yeah. uh And if, how were you I mean, at that point were you like okay, this is cool. I I I'm kind of digging these rules or is it like wow, this this is kind of a pain in the ass or like, how, how are you kind of interpreting that as, as you're learning from Costas? And I was soaking up everything I could. Sure. So I, w- I wasn't really quite, I mean, when you have an opportunity to sit down with somebody like that, who had had the track record as a writer that yeah. he had, it was, it was a, just soak it up, listen, write it down, mm-hmm. remember kind of thing. Um, well, then at one point you had said, you said to me before we started recording, like there was, for it, it took you a while to figure out that you could actually make a living yeah. as a songwriter, not yeah. as a performer necessarily. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Which leads us back into this crazy story. Because I, I guess as a musician, you think, you know, the goal is Garth Brooks. 
or the goal yeah. is, you know, the biggest star in the world. Sure. That's what you think in your brain. So I go down and meet Costas in Nashville after we've known each other a couple months, six months probably. And he introduces me uh, to his song plugger at his publishing company at the time. And we play two songs, acoustic guitar, Costas songs, in his office. And I think I think Costas thought this guy had set up some appointments, or but he'd never met me, so he hadn't done anything. Okay, um, which makes total sense now that I've been in Nashville for fifteen years. But uh, he heard me play live, and he said, "Well, you have some time this afternoon. You want to maybe like go over? I've got a friend at RCA Records." Mm. And I said, "Well, yeah, let's yeah, do that. I that have sounds time. cool, man. <laughs> Why not?" And like I kind of know what's the op- the size of the opportunity, but I but not really, because it's like oh this is easy yeah. So we go over to RCA Records and play and play the same two songs live, and, and who's in the room? Like what's the setup here? The, like, so there's A and R people okay. that sign talent. Yeah, what's A and R? Tells what A and R stands Artists and repertoire yep. is what they do. So okay. they they sign new artists. Once they sign new artists, they try to develop artists and find them songs mm-hmm. or help them find the writers to help them write the songs that are going to break them through okay. to the masses. So that's sort of their job. So they're trying to matchmake a little bit. Correct. You know, this person's got performance talent, musical right. ability, writing ability, trying to sort of fuse it all together yeah, to exactly. make a product. In Look a way. for a total package yeah. in a way or and build, build what they don't have in certain areas. So... Long story short, in the course of about 48 hours, I had two record deal offers. Okay. So RCA For yourself offered, to write and cor- record. Correct. Uh, from Mercury Records at the time and RCA Records. Um, so I had to, to find a lawyer. Mm-hmm. I came back to Missoula. I had to find a lawyer and negotiate, figure out which one we were going with, negotiate that whole process, and... Uh, Ended up with a record deal with RCA Records. And so what does that mean? Is that kind of like a book advance? It's Yeah, it is kind of like that. Um, so they, they sign you. It's a long, probably 40-page contract, and it's you know for six records. Wow. Uh, okay, so they're locking you up They're locking time. you up, absolutely. And now you're probably a little on the cheap because it's your first deal, right? right? So and that's yeah, exactly yeah. how it works. Okay. Ex- yeah, and you it's learn like a rookie like, contract in baseball, right? I get it. Exactly, but if you blow up quick, yeah, yeah. you can renegotiate. You have the power. Okay. It's who, who's got the power. Okay. It matters. Yeah. So uh, I signed that record deal, moved down to Nashville, and it's a miserable experience. Okay. It's very like... Uh, you see behind the curtain and you see mm-hmm. the wizard and you see how the whole thing works and how manufactured some things are, not all things. Okay. But this was, it was, it was a tough experience and it didn't go well. And so here's this incredible high of signing this record deal and all it. this yeah. thing. Yeah. And then I go on a radio tour with a first single that is a, in, across the entire country walking into a radio station with a program director, you're trying to get him to add your song. He doesn't want you there. He doesn't really care about your song or how far you've traveled. He may add it, he may not. Um, We found mostly they did not. So it was a very tough experience and and on the road for months and not making any headway. So that, so, and you, 
at, at what stage in the process have you recorded the whole record or just that one song or like what's, what's I had, the process? I had recorded probably fifteen songs okay. uh, with a producer named Byron Gallimore that uh, still does Tim McGraw had done Sugarland a bunch of okay. a bunch of Top Faith people. Hill yep yes big acts and and I was really proud of the music we made uh, but it just didn't grab traction and so then RCA decided let's let's try some other stuff with another producer maybe mm. um, you need to cut this song we found for you which and then in 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 my brain I'm calculating if this song blows up the song that I don't really like that they're telling me to cut I'm gonna have to sing it for the rest oh. of my life yeah. on a stage and is that worth it mm-hmm. I don't think so okay so we, we That's parted gonna take ways. some courage to yeah kinda... I I kind of I'll tell you another another thing too, which is, which was a pivotal moment, is I walked into the Nashville airport to fly out on radio tour, and there was a twenty by twenty of my face hanging in the airport, and a lot of people on this journey would walk in and see that and go, man, that is kick ass, yeah, and it turned my stomach. Really, I went, oh no, and it was, that's when I knew. I think that was the second I knew. I don't think this is for me, this but, part but, of it. But you enjoy performing. <clears throat> At least it I seems do. like you do from what I've seen. I do. Yeah. I do. Um, but that – I think it's a. I think it's an issue with – fame Fame can be a blessing and a curse. Yeah. And I got a little tiny glimpse into what it could be, and I don't, I don't think I like it. I okay. think, and I think you would be surprised at how many major recording artists are uncomfortable with fame. Well, I mean, you you hear that, right? Yeah, the musicians. I know a and, few that I won't mention, but it, it's a it's a it's a bittersweet thing. Well, it's how do you sort of fuse? Like, people enjoy performing, people enjoy creating music, yeah. and there's all sorts of dimensions to it. And it probably, you know, there's that select few that are good at all of it and enjoy all yeah. of it. Yeah. Um, so at this point, are you thinking? I mean, at what point are you thinking? Okay. Writing songs is where I want to be. Well, I mean, we're skipping some steps in the story here. Absolutely, yeah, I'll tie yeah. it back. I'll tie yeah. it back in though. So, when when I'm on RCA Records and we're trying to find the songs to record for the project, I am thrown in with literally all of the best writers yeah. in Nashville. So your currency as a new artist is they want to be on your record as a writer. So they're writing with you, and I am learning at lightning speed how to write commercial songs okay. for country radio with the best in the business. Got it. So at this point, RCA's got you as the recording artist, but you're writing some of the songs, and you're also writing in conjunction with these other writers that right. want a piece of your exactly. success. Exactly. And so you're sort of experiencing the writing, but also these these collaborative dynamics of how it all works, exactly. which I love to get into. Exactly. Too. Yeah, exactly, and in, in, in all the different forms that it comes. And how do you feel about... Like you said, you, when you first started out, I mean, you're covering songs, and you don't really realize that people write songs yeah. for other musicians. Like, see yeah. behind is that part of the seeing behind the curtain? Like, but that was the best part of seeing behind okay. the curtain okay. was seeing all this in in Nashville. The Nashville writing community is really like a big high school. Yeah, everybody kind of knows everybody in a good way or in, bad? in a good way. Okay. No, really, in a good way. Well, it, in some some bad ways. Sure. Yeah, but. Mostly in a good way, and it's a ve- it's a very supportive system. Once you kind of crack into it, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. it's a cool community for sure. So you're still, you know, you're sort of having these doubts about whether this record's going to go mm-hmm. and what your role in this 
mm-hmm. you want it to be? So how, how are you kind of resolving this situation at this moment? Well, it was a mutual kind of split from RCA Records. And from there, it was kind of like, what do I, what do, I do next? The goal, the goal switched from being the massive recording artist to how do I make a living and keep a roof over my head doing music wow which i love yeah so that became the the goal and luckily i had a very supportive wife mm-hmm. think, which <laughs> that helps well, yeah absolutely um and so i took i took a, a kind of a year to kind of figure it out and ended up with a publishing deal with warner brothers okay and uh went through that for 2 years and that's that's the same thing like we talk about they 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 for a portion of your publishing rights they pay you a draw, okay. Which, um, not to get too in too far into the business side, but you have to pay that back before you make income off of your royalties. So yeah. they're basically loaning yeah. you money. Okay, okay. So it's floating you some cash to right. to do the work, right? And then you do that work, and you sort of have to earn the work right. has to earn back Correct. that that advance. In Correct. A way. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it earns back the advance by a, a musician recording it. Right. Exactly. And then, and then how successful that recording is yep. determines the rate at which you're able to pay it back. Exactly. Right? And every time it spins on a radio, there's yeah, a there's, there's a little a, residual. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So that's the goal. So uh, no major cuts out of the Warner deal. That okay. I'm on, and how does that work? Like you're writing into a songbook of some kind, and then are is somebody else shopping those songs to other musicians? Yes. Or yes. Are you? How are you connecting to the musicians yep. themselves? There are there are people that you work with when you sign a publishing deal called song pluggers that okay. become they run your calendar. They decide they help you decide who you write with, what opportunities you're wow. going to do, um, and try to get you on with artists to write with artists and all sorts of. Uh, but calendar is a big part of what they do. Okay. Yeah, and looking for the best opportunity for your day. Is this a unique structure in country music, or is it is throughout all different types of music? <laughs> you know, I've been out to L.A. a couple of times to write, and it's definitely different. Nash- Nashville is is they've been doing it long enough. It's very structured. Um, yeah. L.A. is less structured. It's kind of like a text of, "Hey, man, what are you doing today?" Sure. Yeah, you feeling like doing anything? But <laughs> but Nashville is very like. It's a, it's a, it can, it's not a nine to five. It's more like an 11 to three thirty. A new angle is brought to you by First Security Bank and Blackfoot, two cool companies doing awesome things all over Montana. Hey, this is Jeff Petticord and you're listening to a new angle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so it bad. is, but I, but I treat, I treat it like that. I show up every day and, and try to write the best thing I can. Um, and that's worked pretty well so far yeah so the the end of the warner deal nothing big has happened um there's a balance with warner publishing yeah so you're on the hook you're on you but you're not okay so you don't have to pay that back if nothing happens it's their gamble okay that you just don't now it's their tax you just don't earn over and above the advance correct until you get back correct okay okay so it's a gamble on both sides sure that makes sense so then, then uh, but they they own those songs when correct. the deal's over. Yeah, right? they own like the catalog. You've written them, but they're not yours anymore. Good. Well, you so you'll never own less than half. There's what's called the writer's share. Uh, I see. So if you look at it as a pie, the writer's share is fifty percent. The publishing share is fifty percent. Yep. They can only take up to half of that. Sure. So if something big would have been cut out of that catalog, a big song, I would okay. have still made. So half they don't of the own royalty. all of it. Correct. Okay. 
That right. makes sense. Um, so then I'm on my own again as as a publisher, self published, and uh, through a crazy set of circumstances, uh, end up with a cut with the Zach Brown Band called Sweet Annie. Right, which is this huge break, huge break, enormous break. Um, and and this is like peak Zach Brown Band. Yeah, time. he's he's as hot as you can get, and uh, the. The, the songs are called singles on a record, so the record comes out, and in, in, especially in country radio, there's the first single, which is whatever it is, the second single, and usually it doesn't go past four singles per record. Mm-hmm. We were the f- fifth single, so it almost didn't happen. Wow. And then we were kind of a ballady song, kind of. Yeah. Uh, and I was, and you, the, the goal is to get to number one, and it was a long, slow crawl, but we got there. So, so that song went number one. He picks up Sweet Annie. And decides to put that on the record. Yeah. Now, did he kind of come in for some writing at the end to to share the credit? Like, how's that? How's yeah, that and work, it was right? done. It was done over um, voicemail and sure. so not in the same room. But yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah. So there's that process of getting on the record, which is a big deal. Mm-hmm. But then the sort of oh my gosh, this could go as the fifth single, right? And that's that's even a. You, your eyes get bigger. Yeah. You know, like, holy, holy smokes. Yeah, I mean, happen. we don't need to get into the specifics here, but, like, this is a life-changing event. Absolutely. As far as Absolutely. making a, not only the, the money from that one song, but also it's got to have these sort of compounding effects where it opens up all these other opportunities. And that's right? and that's it. That's my joke in Nashville is uh, you're, n- you're never a good writer in Nashville until one person says you are. <laughs> but that's all it takes, right? It's all it ta- it's it's kind of ridiculous because I know I know writers and I've seen writers out at writers nights in Nashville that are so incredible, but they just don't have that one champion yeah. and that one opportunity hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. And it's really kind of arbitrary how it does happen sometimes. Right, right. It is. There's some luck involved. Well, you had that luck. Yeah. Well, and you know we can define luck in different ways, but, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that opened up some big doors, right? And you've Absolutely. been on been on a big run since then. It's been really good. I spent a couple of years at uh, Sony Publishing uh, and have a. So this just so, sorry to interrupt, but the Zach Brown deal comes at a time when you're independent, independent, and so then now from that you leverage that into another deal, correct? With, with Sony, correct. Uh, leverage that into a deal with Sony. Spent four years at Sony. Had some, I think. Seven major label cuts out of that deal, yeah. which is yeah. killer. And uh, Terry Wakefield is my song plugger guy who's been instrumental in what I do. He actually made a move to Universal Publishing. They're all under contract, too. Okay. And uh, I ended up switching to go with him right. because our partnership has worked so well and my contract was up. So it all kind of worked out perfectly to move over to Universal where I just started. Um, but, yeah, things have been really good, really good. And so let's – Let's um, can we shift gears a little bit into just kind of the creative process? Yes, yeah. Because you're talking, I mean, you, you made the comment about, hey, I got to see how the sausage was made, and mm-hmm. it wasn't as pretty as I was hoping, and, and and yeah, we've talked about some of the industry dynamics, but like within all that, how do you kind of find the space and mind mind frame to do the art? The, yeah, absolutely, and uh, and it is art. I do see it that way, but I also see it. I think the best, the best advice I ever got was guitar in one hand, briefcase in the other. Interesting. It's both. Yeah. It is both, especially in that game in that town. It is both. Um, and it's relationship based. 
big time. Um, but but art wise, I'm co- it's it's like a constant antenna that's up. Whether I'm in a conversation at a coffee shop or I'm watching a dumb movie on Netflix, my antenna is up for one saying or one, even reading a book, one thing that pops out. And then also that also it's like working out, showing up every day yeah. and working that yep. muscle mm-hmm. of how to do a, a rhyme scheme that sounds good, that comes out of the mouth good, that sings good. It's all those things put together. And, and then some days I just sit and play guitar grooves and see what falls out and if something feels right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I never start at the same point in a song, when a song starts. So that, I'll just walk you through a quick yeah, day. Yeah, let's do it. I, wa- I look at a calendar. I see I'm writing with two people tomorrow. One of them is an artist. One of them is another writer like me. And so, that's set up in advance. Somebody's right. kind of running your calendar. My, yeah, my guy at Universal okay. is setting these days up months out. Okay. So he sets his day up. I usually come in with one or two full choruses developed. And something I've worked on and prepped, and I bring it in. And that can either be what we use or somebody goes, I like that, but what if we hit mm. it from this angle or something? So it's – it's you. You have to be pliable in what you do and light on your feet. Yeah. And and I've said it for years uh, in the room when somebody you know if you throw out a line and it, it's quiet in the room, it's like that's the Nashville no. Like, yeah. That yeah, sucks, yeah. man. <laughs> Which is fine, but don't be afraid to say the thing that sucks because somebody could go, well, that one word. What if we use that thought and moved right. it into this? So it's. Don't have any. I, I've said I've been in Nashville too long. I don't have any feelings left, and I think <laughs> it's a great place to be, really, to not carry all that your own emotional baggage into it. I suppose so. There has to be this kind of. I'm thinking of the what is it? The Kurt Vonnegut quote, like "Kill your darlings." Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and so there has to be some of that humility, but also. I would assume when you write a song, you're trying to say something. Absolutely. So how, how absolutely. do you sort of tra- stay true to, hey, this is what I'm trying to say here? Oh, absolutely. Well, and there's different – so there's different subject matters. There's love. Like I said earlier, find the emotion, chase the emotion. Yeah. Sometimes the emotion is drinking beer on a Friday night and getting yeah, drunk. That happens. Some people want that emotion. And the other one is you know breakup, loss, whatever the thing is. Find that emotion and write it. And it, and it's not, you know, knowing that the positive emotion will possibly make you more opportunity. Mm-hmm. That's the game. Yeah, so walk us through a little bit more of that, you know, one of those sessions, right? Yeah. You come in, you got a couple things that you're, you yep. sort of have ready to share. Yeah. But also that pliability and, you know, how, how's the magic happen in those sessions? And, and really a lot of it's based around reading people and reading the artist and and being a quick read on if somebody likes something or not, or if they're too quiet to say, I don't like this and learning. I would say the biggest lesson I've learned in writing is learning what not to write Hmm. and being okay with walking out of that room without a song. If it's just feeling like garbage, not the right. That happens. Yeah, it happens. Is this a setup that led to sweet Annie and buy that man a beer? Yeah. Like all these sorts of hits that you had. Same kind of thing. Uh, and it, but it's all different, you know. Some start with a title, some start with a groove, some start with a 
line somewhere that ends up in a verse. Yeah. It's pretty fun. And you're trying to read the the recording artist in the room, right. I would imagine. Or the like the John Party one is three writers and okay. two really good friends of mine. Okay. Uh, another Montana boy, Justin Lance. But yeah, we're just in a room. And th- those are really fun too because kind of the pressure's off and it's like, let's just have fun and write something we like, something we'd want to hear on a jukebox. Mm-hmm. And that was what that day was. And uh, then that song got pitched by a song plugger to the producer of John Party. And then that producer plays it for John Party. John Party likes it, and they end up cutting it. But and it always it sounds so easy when I say it in that sentence. Sure. But it's like two years in the making. Two years. Yeah. So they cut the song. It takes a year for the record to come out. Yeah. And then it might possibly single. You never know. So it's it's a long process. Wow. Yeah. A lot of delayed gratification forever. there. Oh, it's ridiculous. And it's you've ridiculous. moved on. I mean, you're still cranking out other stuff, and you've kind oh, yeah. of moved on your focus. And yeah. 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 So how did the, um, you know, one of your songs recently, Reba McIntyre performed at the Country yeah. Music Awards, yeah, right? I she mean, did. That, not only is that in and of itself a huge deal, but <clears throat> how did that kind of song come to be, that partnership with Reba and then her decision to play it yeah. at, the, at the Music Awards? Like, yeah. How did that all so happen? So that, 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 was, that was one of the crazier, well, they're, they're kind of, they're all crazy, but that one was crazy. So I, we didn't even really know she had cut the song. And I just I just got a uh, email request from from my uh, Sony person Terry Wakefield that hey they they just put in for a request for a license for live television hmm. on the song I'm pretty sure she's cut it yeah I, and he he didn't even know he's like I think she might be playing this at the awards so I it was like two days before I had wow. no idea really yeah two days before and uh, and uh, but her that song had been pitched to her by. By a song plugger, okay, to her label. Her label took it to her, mm-hmm. and what a cool thing to have a legend yeah. like Reba McIntyre. Oh my gosh, sing your song. It's pretty cool, and they did a good cut. A and good were you cut. there? Were you able to go? To no, I didn't go. I, I I almost pulled the trigger and, and shot out there, yeah, but, yeah. but uh, I didn't go. No, I watched okay. it at home okay. with a glass of tequila. Well, there you go. Yeah, something to celebrate. <laughs> exactly. No, that was a pretty cool moment. So. During your time here, <clears throat> you know, you did the the event the other night, but also had the chance to speak with some of our students. Yeah. And so a couple of different contexts. We have, you know, an entertainment management program here at the College of Business where a lot of students are trying to get into the industry in a variety of different capacities. But we also have a music program here. You, you know, you took – we talked about that earlier and you met with some of those students. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of what did you – what was that experience like coming talking to students and, and, and giving some advice on how, how young hungry folks can break into the into the business? Yeah, I thought I thought it was a really cool experience. Um and something something I wish there's more of. Uh and you know you know education better than I do, but the but the real life stories and all and of the of the people that were uh, at, that played at the show. All yep. the stories are way different. Yeah, how everybody yeah. figured out how to put a roof over their heads, and I think it's really cool. And I was actually inspired by the other writers to gig more, play live more, because I really don't. Two or three times a year is mm-hmm. all I really do. But but definitely that helped me. But but being in the classes and just talking about real world experience. And seeing seeing fire and energy 
from students and remembering being in that place and to know that it is possible to make it happen. Yeah, and that's powerful for students to sort of see, want want to hear your stories, but also connect with somebody who's who's made this happen. Yeah. At the same time, for a student to sort of see, wow, there's no single path. Yeah. A lot of students like, well, students really like structure and clarity and all those things. They want to know, like, okay, I got to do X, Y, and Z to to get to this place. So if I'm a student trying to extract from these disparate messages of yeah. stories of success. How, what sort of, are there general principles that you would convey to a student? Like, hey, here, here are the sort of general attributes and outlook you have to have to, to position yourself for success. Absolutely. Grind. Grind. Is the biggest one. Yep, okay. Grind and don't say no. Say yes to any opportunity, big or small, that comes your way because you never know. You never know when you're going to be what at re- Costas' house. Exactly. Right? What yeah. relationship's going to turn into what? Going to And relationship's another big one. And that's where I think kindness as a baseline is a good thing okay. to go forward with. Yeah, and you, ne- yeah, you never know where it's going to turn, and what what little little door or crack in a window is going to open that you can seep through yeah. and find opportunity. How do you um, how do you cultivate that energy to grind, man? Some have it more than others, right? But like it, it, you know, right. It, it's got to be something that that you develop too. I yeah, we got yeah we got to figure out a gym workout for grind. Don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your brother could probably come up with yeah, one. Yeah, I think he could. I think he could. No, I I think I think it's a I think it's a you got to want it. Yeah, you got to really 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 want mm-hmm. it more than the person sitting next to you. Well, like most things in life, right? right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so let's flip that advice on the other side. Like you got to have the grind. You got to want it. Yeah. But you also have to, I mean, you had kind of the, the clarity of self and some of the business sense mm-hmm. to to not get taken advantage of, to not get ripped off, to, to put yourself in a position to do the kind of work you wanted to do and and derive a solid living from that. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how should students sort of view that reality too? Like, not get chewed up by the system, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely, a a good lawyer is worth your money. Okay, definitely, especially in entertainment. Um, and re- re- read. I mean, that sounds so lame, but read everything, even Doesn't if it's lame. boring you to death. Or we're in this it. age where, like, we got these terms and conditions from yeah. every damn app it's on everywhere. our phone, yeah. and we just scroll right through it. But, yeah, yeah. Read the stuff. Read your contract. Um, yeah. Read your contract. I'm trying to think of what else I can come up with. Uh, that's all I got. That's all you got. <laughs> Read your contract. Yeah, yeah. Talking about advice for students and you know how do you set yourself up for success? How do you not get ripped off by the end or churned up by it? Right. All I'm thinking about is like I watched the series Nashville, and it seems like <laughs> a lot of musicians with talent and writers with passion get chewed up. Yeah, and maybe is... they don't have the grind to to work through that, but they also yeah, it seems like they're just not able. To, and you described it too before that there's plenty of folks out there that you know you see them out and they write brilliantly, but they haven't had that one person in the right seat say, you know, right, I like what you do. I guess one, one big observation I've had from Nashville, and I forget who the writer was that said it, but there's a quote that I'll get wrong, but I'll just say it this way: is um, the music business 
you're lucky to be a part of. Hmm. And nobody sent for you. So to walk into Nashville and expect things to happen is the wrong way to walk in to that town especially. Yeah. There there are thousands of people waiting in line behind you for the spot you may have, whatever spot that is. Right. And it never ends. So I guess gratitude is a big thing for me. And and because of the people that help me, helping the person that's underneath you looking up mm. is a yeah. big one for yeah. me. Big one. So what are you working on now? What's next? Man, we're doing lots of cool stuff. So I, 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 I'm sort of superstitious about talking about what's coming out next because I've had some heartbreak mm. on talking about some big things that – and even songs that have been cut that I've heard. Okay, with we'll, keep, we'll keep it a secret. Major, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> with major artists uh, that don't end up coming up at, out on records. But uh, for me, it's it's really just uh, writing hard, writing the best song I can every day, and showing up and uh, getting it done. How? I mean, I, there's probably a wide range here, but how fast can you write a song? Like, oh. I, I'm sure it could happen. It could take years or it could take seconds. Yep. Right? You've, uh, yeah, there's, that's a good question. Because sometimes it's literally 20 minutes. Really? And sometimes it's five sessions. So five yeah. different days yeah. Yeah. of just trying to figure out how to make it better, make it better. And they're never really done. They're never really done until they're on a radio. Okay. Because you can go back and edit and rechange. And yep, yep. Have so we'll demo a song and you, we'll go back and have somebody else sing it because maybe it sounds more like this artist or whatever the thing. So it's never really done until it's done. Mm-hmm. Until it's on, yeah, hopefully on a radio. But uh, yeah, it's all different, all different time lengths. So can we talk into playing a song? Absolutely, man. Yeah. yeah. So um, I'd love to kind of hear. I mean, you choose what you want to play, but I'd love to kind of hear you talk about like uh the circumstances under which the song came to life yeah a little intro and some process information yeah i like that now i gotta decide what to play yeah something that mean that's i mean they're all meaningful to you i suppose but but yeah do you ever have one that you'd kind of like man i'd really like to keep that one <laughs> or, yeah or but I, at the same time if you don't if somebody else sings it like Zach Brown, it's super meaningful right. too. So, yeah, it's super meaningful at the mailbox is what it is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I played this one the other night. But yeah. I love that story about your buddy. Like, it's the one I'm doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to tell that story. Oh, like, I, I got to get off this phone call. <laughs> <laughs> I. It's funny. When I was... In grad school, kind of working on my dissertation and whatnot, I got to the point where I was carrying a uh, voice recorder with me. Yeah. Because, like, some idea would pop into my head, and I'm like, I got to, I can't remember this an hour from now when I get back to my desk, but I got to, <laughs> I got to just, like, blurt it out here and capture it. Yeah. I use it all the time. Yeah, probably. All the time. And thank goodness this one's a little waterproof because it's always the shower where the idea hits me. Oh, yeah. So I keep it. It within reach. Why not? It happens. Well, I'll tell a quick story here. I was on the phone with a fishing buddy, and uh, he was going through some loss and some some turmoil in his life. And uh, 
as as guys, we were trying to keep the conversation as tough as we could with also getting some emotion through. Uh, That's tough. Yeah. And so he was talking about it and, and kind of processing through it with me and uh, and said, at one point in the conversation, said, man, it's like I'm just sitting at a stoplight and the light won't change. And I, I said, I do remember saying Man, I'm so sorry to hear that, but I'm going to have to call you back because that's a hell of a song idea. And I went and, start, went and started writing that chorus immediately after. Right then and there. Um, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Um, but this is called Waiting for the Light to Change. It's uh, uncut, but one of my favorite songs. Okay, uncut meaning it hasn't yep. been recorded yet. It has not been recorded, and it's probably six years old. Well, we're recording it now. Yeah, dang right. <laughs> It's dark out tonight Now I'm down to one headlight There's not a soul in sight And I'm just sitting here It's all moving slow I don't want to go But you've taken your toll I'm going nowhere Nowhere Fast I don't know where I'm going Just know that I can't stay So I'm waiting for a sign To lead me on my way But all I see is red there Shining through the rain And I'm still waiting For the light to change If I don't get moving soon, I'll just turn around. Cause I've been here before, with my heart upon your floor, and I can't love you anymore. It's killing me. And I'm all out of tears, and I'll be tearing out of here. I don't know where I'm going, I just know that I can't stay, so I'm waiting for a sign to lead me on my way, but all I see is red there, shining through the rain, and I'm still waiting for the light to change, I don't know where I'm going, I just know that I can't stay, so I'm waiting for a sign to lead me on my way, and all I see is red there, Shining through the rain and I'm still waiting I'm still waiting For the light to change Pretty awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Well, now it's recorded. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there we go. Official debut. Dozens and dozens of <laughs> listens you will get from that. <laughs>
<laughs> I love it. That's super fun. Yeah, man. Day in the life. Day in the life, right there. It's fun to do. Well, any uh, parting words of wisdom? I'm standing between you and maybe a trip out into the woods with your brother to go hunting. <laughs> right, yeah, so possibly. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, it's been awesome, John, having you in studio, and more awesome that you came back to the University of Montana to share some of your experience and wisdom yeah. with our students. Absolutely. And, uh, they're definitely inspired. One of my favorite pieces of wisdom that I'll leave you with okay. that was handed down to me was humble in the highs. Hopeful in the lows. And I don't think there's much more you need. That's a great way to end it, John. Thank you. And grind. And grind. (laughs) Got to grind. Thanks, Justin. See ya. All right. That was super fun. Great thanks to John for sharing his time, his wisdom, and his music. And be on the lookout for more events produced by our entertainment management program. Those students do great work. Okay, coming up next week, we have number three in the Bryce Ward series. And as promised, we'll announce the name of that series. Stay tuned for that and much more next week. Thanks for listening to A New Angle. We really appreciate it. And we're coming to you from Studio 49, a gift from University of Montana alums, Michelle and Lauren Hansen. And remember that A New Angle is supported by CED, Consolidated Electrical Distributors. These guys pretty much sell anything electrical you would ever need, but they also hire a ton of our students. If you want to learn more about jobs at CED, visit cedcareers.com. Before we go, I want to thank some important peeps, executive producer Stefan Borsum, and interns Aspen Runkle and Max Gibson. Huge thanks to VTO, Jeff Ament, and John Wicks for the tunes. And finally, props to Jeff Meese, our master of all things sound. Finally, if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, insults, whatever, please email me at anewangle at umontana.edu. Help us spread the word, and be sure to use the hashtag, a new angle when you do. Thanks a lot, and see you next time.